Hello and welcome to another episode of the We Are Rail Fans podcast, the series for rail fans by rail fans, where we explore all areas of the rail hobby from around the globe. If you've missed any of our previous episodes, they're available wherever you get your podcasts. And keep up to date with all the latest news, views and interviews from the train world. Visit the We Are Rail Fans website at wearerailfans.com. I'm Sam, and across this series we've heard what it's like to drive an HST, we've been to Denmark on the Lint 41, and we've ridden on board a virtual train. But my next guest operates something that's quite unique in the train world. I'm delighted to welcome Martin Clitheroe to the We Are Rail Fans podcast. Martin is a maintenance driver for Colas Rail, and is here to tell us more about the work he does. Hi Martin. Hi Sam, thanks for having me. For those listeners who haven't heard of Colas Rail before, what are they and what do they do? Colas Rail is the UK part of the Colas Group of Companies, which is an international organisation dealing with road and rail maintenance. Colas Rail itself in the UK has around 30 tampers covering all corners of the, the, the national network. That sounds like it's a great deal of fun. So how did you get into working on the railways? I'm actually quite a relative newcomer compared to a lot of the guys. I've done less than 10 years on the railway. I originally trained as a passenger driver because my brother was on the railways as a driver and I needed a new challenge, so I decided to join him. After a few years, it wasn't for me, and one of my friends happened to bump into a manager from Colas Rail on a platform of a station, and it was literally a case of, right, get him in for an interview, and I've been at Colas now for around three and a bit years. Have you always been a rail fan? Did you get stuck into trains and fall in love with them as a child? Absolutely. I've always enjoyed the railway. I grew up in the third rail slam door era. Network South East is a big biggie for me, and I'm quite an avid collector of railway honour from Network South East. So railways have always been a love. I've took photographs for years. I don't deal with numbers as such like a spotter, but I do like to take photographs because it's all history and Liveries change, tocks change, scenery changes, but um, yeah, it's nice to keep a record of it over time. You spoke a little bit there about the history, but from your point of view, what's your first memory of trains? Is there anything that sticks out particularly as something that happened when you were young that really drove that passion? The noise and the smell of the slam door stock, definitely. That that noise, the, the motor wine, just, yeah, will stick with me for years. Slam door stock holds a uh, a very fond place in the hearts of many British rail fans. This is before the days of automatic doors and the beep, 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 beep of it closing the entire time. Yeah, absolutely. Back to the days of the EPBs and the SEPs, the VEPs. Halcyon days. Quite so. So what exactly does your job involve? You mentioned that you were a driver on passenger services before moving into maintenance, but but what is it that you get up to on a day-to-day basis now? Okay, so obviously trains generally are burst up in sidings during the daytimes. So at that point is when the general routine maintenance of the machines take place. So we'll turn up in the evenings, late evenings, give the machine a good once over, check over, fire it up. We'll then take it to wherever we're pre-assigned to be working that night. And then we'll operate the machine overnight, do the tamping, and then go back to sidings in the next morning before the first trains come out of bed. 
So we'll talk about tamping a little bit later, along with other subjects that you've kind of touched on there. But what we're fascinated in right now is you've driven both passenger and maintenance. This must have exposed you to a wide number of different classes of locomotives. How did they differ? Do any particularly stand out? So before I used to drive the Networkers and the Electrostars for South Eastern. I mean, the biggest difference is the power source, because obviously they're third rail electric, whereas we're diesel only. So they are a lot quicker, a lot quieter. The ride quality on them is a lot better because obviously they're built for passenger comfort, whereas we're built to be functional rather than comfortable. And the noise is quite harsh, which you, after a while you attune to and you just switch off to it. So it feels like the shift pattern could be somewhat different as well between driving passenger and then running maintenance services. Correct, yes. Um, obviously on the passenger trains, you do a week of early shifts, a week of late shifts, a week of early, a week of late, etc., Whereas on the tampers now, we are generally night shifts during the week, basically when all the passenger trains have gone to bed. And then at the weekends, we can do anything, but then they generally are long engineering work. So it could be days, nights as required. Now, I appreciate you might not be able to tell us exactly, but do you get to see much more of the rail network now that you're not tied to just operating passenger services and are working on maintenance instead? I see a lot more of the country than I ever did before on the passengers. Obviously, when you come out of a depot on a passenger train, you're restricted to sort of your tox area. And I was a metro driver, so I only did the Greater London and sort of just into Kent areas. Now on the Tampers, personally, I cover from Dover to the east across to Southampton in the west and virtually all lines in between. But then as an operator, you don't necessarily need route knowledge. So we get guys coming down to work with us from Peterborough, from from crew because a tamper operator is a tamper operator they don't need route knowledge to work in a machine in any particular area you are listening to the we are rail fans podcast i'm sam and today's guest is martin a maintenance driver for colas rail so martin earlier on you mentioned tampers what are they and what do they do? What class and model of tamper do you actually operate? Okay, so tampers are part of sort of the on-track plant family of machines. The basic idea is they turn up to a work site, they lift the track, they consolidate the ballast underneath the, the track and then place the track back down again. Obviously, with the passenger trains, ballast being loose, it settles over time. So the track ends up with dips in it, with kinks in it. If you imagine... When you're laying in bed at night, your pillow, you get a dip in your pillow after a little while. So what you do is you lift your head up, you fluff your pillow up, and then you put your head back down again. A tamper basically does exactly the same thing. It lifts the track up, it moves it sideways as it needs, it lifts it as it needs, squeezes the ballast underneath the track, and then puts the track back down again exactly where it's wanted. So that is effectively what a tamper does, and it does it sleeper by sleeper by sleeper. And then overnight, we'll sort of get half a mile of track done, which... It's not a lot in the grand scheme of things, but not every bit of track needs tamping every night. Wow, and presumably that's done mostly for safety, but presumably there are benefits to efficiency and things like that as well. Absolutely. Obviously, the the main reason is, is safety, because obviously big dips or kinks could be indicative maybe of a landslide that's happened that nobody's noticed. But there's also passenger comfort, because if they're getting thrown about, they're not going to be happy, especially your first class ticket holders with a cup of tea in their lap. So... Obviously, if it gets too bad, network rail impose temporary speeds, which then has an impact on timetabling. So 
we we go along to make sure that the ride is smooth. There are no sort of real issues with the track bed, and obviously over time, track does move, so we we put it back where it should be. So, is there one type of tamper that you use exclusively, or are there variants that get used for different purposes? There are various different models. There are two main manufacturers in this country, that being Placer and Matiza. Although they are minor differences, they both basically work in the same function. They lift the track, squeeze the ballast, put the track back down again. And then again, within the two manufacturers, there are different models. Around the southeast, we have little machines that we call compacts, which are great for a bit of straight track. And then you get more complicated machines that are designed to work on points because they can help lift, as well as the track underneath the machine, they can help lift the track to the side of the machine so you can support point work better. Because otherwise you can, if you lift one part of a machine or point work, you can end up putting the track on a slope that you don't intend to. So you've spoken about some of the jobs that tampers do. Are there any other considerations that you have that you wouldn't necessarily need to think about if you were operating a different or a normal train service so the thing that i learned very quickly that i hadn't paid attention to as a passenger driver is the different speed limits freight drivers have their own speed limits again as well as passenger trains but on the network you often get what's known as differential speeds uh, and you'll have two speed limits for a certain section of track and we always have to obey the slower one so a i had to learn a whole new set of speed limits for track that i knew like the back of my hand which I found really quite tricky because you sort of drive, I don't want to say on autopilot, but you sort of know where the speeds are. And when you've suddenly got to learn a whole new set of speeds, it's sort of hard to, to, to remember them rather than the speeds that you know like the back of your hand. In low adhesion conditions, when it's a little bit drizzly, you have to be very cautious with them because they've only got very few axles. A passenger train if that finds a little bit of low adhesion, generally somewhere else on the train, it's got axles on good track that will help slow it down. We've only got, on a little compact, four axles. So they're very easy to lock up. And equally, they're very easy when you're trying to accelerate to, to wheel spin. So everything has to be that much more cautious when you're driving when it's the low adhesion time of year, which is just around the corner. No, I can understand that. If uh, all the speed limits changed every time I went to the shops, I'm sure I'd find that equally confusing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You, you know, wherever you're living, you know where the 30s, 40s, 50s are. You don't, you don't sort of need the signs after a little while, do you? But if they suddenly went, well, that 50s now 20, you need to remember that. It's very easy to just drive along and think, oh, yeah, 50. Oh, no, hang on. I found it a lot easier to learn new bits of track than I did to learn or relearn the track that I already knew. So you've mentioned before that these tamping services are slotted in between different passenger and freight services in order to get the work done. How does that work in a practical sense? Are you often asked to drive at unsociable hours, for example, uh, maybe in the dark? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, during the summer now, we drive less in the dark because the days are longer. Um, so when we finish work in the morning, it is generally daylight. But we're coming obviously now to short towards shorter days and I will barely see any sunlight because it will be dark by the time I wake up for work. It will be dark by the time I go home to bed. So I do sort of turn into a bit of a vampire. But I don't mind the nights. I've done 20-plus years doing shift work, and with these nice new LED signals, you can see them so clearly. It's actually not that much of a challenge driving at night because you, you don't need to steer. So the headlights on them aren't great. 
because it's more about you being seen rather than you seeing. But as I say, the signals are so clear, you don't. it's not that much of a challenge to drive a train at night. And if you look on YouTube and see some of the night cab rides, they show a lot less than you see with the naked eye. So they're not quite as bad as people think to drive in the dark. And I suppose your eyes get used to it a little as well, don't they? Absolutely, absolutely. And because of your route knowledge, you know the route, you know what to expect of the track, so you know where you're going and you know where the stations are that give you a glow in the distance. There's a few tricky signals on the network where you can easily confuse them for streetlights if you're not if you're not concentrating too much. But again, you're aware of them, so you pay extra attention when you're coming to those sort of areas. So you mentioned YouTube there, and there's certainly a lot of footage available for those who want to see maintenance work happening. What's it like driving a train while there are staff working around you, the Orange Army, as they're called? Does that make it significantly more difficult? Fortunately, no. I mean, when we are surrounded by other guys working on the track, that means we are in a work site rather than on the network as such. So we're driving around the work site at about five miles an hour when it comes to that sort of point. Obviously, you do see the odd occasional P-Way guy out when we are travelling around at 60 miles an hour but they are by nature working to the side of the track rather than on the track generally. When there's a whole host of guys, we're doing five miles an hour travelling around a work site for safety reasons, or we're actually working ourselves. So you mentioned staff there working on the P-Way. For those who don't know, what's that? Okay, so the P-Way is, is a railway term. It's the permanent way, which is effectively the railway itself that's, you know, that's permanently there. They're known as P-Way, permanent way gang. They are the guys who actually work on the track, sort of do all the manual labour as such. So we've been talking about the maintenance work that you and others are doing in order to keep the track safe and efficient. How often is the clock a factor? Are you put under pressure to make sure things are done to a specific time? There's always time pressures because obviously we are working between the last train and the first train overnight. Weekends are a little bit easier, but they have their own time pressures. So we always have a network rail representative with us who monitors the work that we are producing to make sure it is safe to hand back to passenger trains. So they will ensure that we are finished on time. Now, with the nature of our work, because the the way the machine works, if we are running out of time, we can sort of finish our work early and have a shortfall on the distance that they might have planned if necessary. There are methods that we can work so that if we're sort of moving the track or lifting the track, we don't put a step in the track by just going, right, we're stopping now because we have to finish. So there are time constraints, but we can we can ramp the track nicely down so that the general public would know no different. So for us, it's nice that we are not rushed to, to finish jobs. If we're not going to finish a job then we will get as much done as we can and then finish nice and safely in good time so that we are gone and away by the next morning. So a lot of the work that tampers do is clearly very important. Are they actually the unsung heroes of the railway world? What they're doing is clearly very important. Absolutely. Tampers are absolutely vital on the railway. They're very much away from the public eye because they're out at night and weekends when... The, the other trains are not running in the area because there's the inevitable bus service being put on. But without maintenance on the railway, passengers would have bumpy rides, you'd have temporary speed restrictions everywhere, 
so tempers are, are vital for the the safety and the the upkeep of the railway along with the other maintenance plants such as stone blowers or grinders they all come out when people don't see them and they all perform a critical role so tempers are a little bit hidden from view it's not the sort of thing that you see every day do they have a bit of a niche rail fan following uh it seems like the kind of specialism that there would be some uh enthusiasts out there who are mad keen on a tamper I am aware of at least two Facebook groups dedicated to sort of on-track machines and uh, and plant. So there's definitely a following out there. I don't think they've got the same widespread following. So if you've got a steam locomotive go through a railway station, 99% of people are going to turn their heads to look at it. If we go through a railway station, yeah, that's going to be less than 1% are going to look at it. Or people are going to think, get out the way, you're blocking the way to my passenger train. Where is my passenger train? But there is a definite following, but I don't think they've got the same appeal as a steam or a, or, a, or a diesel going around the network. Now, much like the trains themselves, the technology that lies behind rail travel is constantly in motion. Have you found that the tampers themselves have evolved much over the years? Yes, to a degree they have, because obviously in the old days, somebody would come along with a jack, jack the track up, and then it would all be done manually with sort of pneumatic drills so they've took a lot of the physical labor out of the job but the actual tamper machines themselves i've got no idea how they've evolved over time sorry that's quite all right we're just curious uh, it's not something it's not a part of the railway that we often get to see and therefore it's it's fascinating to an outsider to get a feel for how these things have changed so what does the future hold for this type of train and and tampers in general is it something that's always going to be necessary is it something you think is going to be replaced by superior technology where are we going to go from here? I think tampers are here to stay for the very much for the long term. We've got some new machines that have come in that have got upgraded software, but they still work in exactly the same way. So the actual mechanism of the machines, I can't foresee changing anytime soon. Tampers will be around doing their invisible job for, for many a year to come. Thanks, Martin. This is fascinating insight. I mean, as we said before, tampers aren't in the public eye very often, and therefore to get a glimpse behind the curtain at what goes on with railway maintenance is absolutely fascinating. Anyway, we like to finish off each show with some quick-fire questions to get a feel for different rail fans that we speak to. Are you ready? Go on, hit me, Sam. Hit me. So, first off, what's your favourite train? My favourite train is probably uh, a thumper unit. There's something about the noise. Um, I don't know if you're familiar. They used to be around the south and the south sort of eastern areas, the Oxted line, the Uckfield line, the, the Marshing line, that, that, that thumper noise. There's something about it, isn't there, if you, if you know it. It's a proper thump, thump, thump noise. Steam, diesel or modern trains? Now, I can appreciate steam but it was gone before I was born. So for me, it's definitely diesel. It's the noise, isn't it? I mean, electric trains, they're quiet. There's there's nothing to them. They take off, they go. But diesels have got a charm. Is there one train you wish you'd seen live back when it was running? Maybe it doesn't run anymore. Oh, now, I wish I'd seen more Class 47s. No specific locomotive, but the Class 47s. They used to come through my hometown, going down towards Dover and, and the Kent coast, up to Liverpool. 
and I wish I'd seen more of them because they were so unusual for our area. So what's your favourite country to travel in by rail? Have you been to many others or is there a, a favoured region of the UK that you like to take the train in? I do like travelling around Wales in the UK. Sadly, the paces are now all gone, but they have their own charm. What I would love to do is a trans-American train journey, and it's definitely one for the bucket list, across the Rockies and all that sort of thing. That, to me, has uh, as an appeal, and I would like to think within the next 10 years I can achieve that one. So hopefully that one that one's not too far away. And finally, what do you think the future of rail travel will look like? Will we always have train drivers? I think there will always be somebody at the front of the train. Will they drive? Within my lifetime, definitely. Obviously, the Thameslink core has started to bring in automatic, but that's only a very short distance. And, you know, even if they extend it shortly, it's bit by bit, it's still going to take a long time. So the, the, the future of rail travel, I think, is very good. And hopefully now COVID is beginning to come to an end, then there will be more people travelling by rail again. And uh, yes, I think with the the country being more, trying to be more green, roads becoming more congested, I do think investment in rail should be a priority for the next few decades. Here, here. And finally, Martin, where are you off to next? Uh, where's your next tamping operation? Um, so the next big jobs that we've got is we've got a job down in Canterbury coming up. Um, we've then got a follow-up tamp because after a big tamp, we do a follow-up a few weeks later in Grove Park. And uh, yeah, that's about it for the next few weeks, I think. Martin, it's been an absolute pleasure talking trains with you on this podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much for having me, Sam. It's been fun. And thank you very much for listening. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please do let us know via wearerailfans.com or use the We Are Railfans Facebook page. And if you've got your own train stories about how and when you fell in love with rail, then please send me a message and we might be reading out your comments next week. To give you a starting point, why not tell us what your favourite train is and when the last time was that you saw one? This has been a Listen production. Thanks for travelling with us today, and if you wouldn't mind, please ensure you have all your belongings with you before you unplug your headphones. We'll catch you next time.